Greetings and welcome to episode 64 of Third Heaven Authority podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. In a few minutes, I want to talk to you about a new Christian era that I believe is occurring right now. And I'll explain that in depth. But before I do, I do want to thank you for your patience. Many of you regular listeners have noticed that the episodes to my podcast have been posted sporadically recently, and they will continue to do so for the next four to six weeks. No, I haven't dropped off the planet. It's because I am in the thick now of writing my book on this subject, Third Heaven Authority. It will be published by Charisma House and has consumed a lot of my time. New Christian Era. Let me say this. We are actually in the Christian age. The Christian age is from the time that Jesus rose from the dead until he returns. Everything is consistent in the age of Christianity. However, when you break that age down, you find that there have been different eras in the way that, according to the situations in the world, that the church has had to rise in response to that. And then within each era, there's also these seasons that we go through, not only as the body of Christ, but also individually. So every season has to abide by and to snap to the grid of that era. And every era has to also fit within all of the main and the plain and everything that Jesus has given to us within this age. It's just how the Holy Spirit is moving, motivating, empowering, and using the church during specific time periods on planet Earth. So I've chosen a clip that I want to play for you. It's about 25 minutes long. It's a clip that I actually preached two years ago when I first started releasing this information. So listen to it, and I think you'll find it extremely enlightening. There is something coming up that I want to stir your spirit about, that I want you to begin to focus on and look forward to. There is a new era, and that's why the Lord brought me back to this place, this uh, particular prophecy from 12 years ago, that Jesus is manifesting himself in the earth. He's revealing himself. He's proving himself in a different way. Things have changed. They're not going to be exactly the same anymore. Even when this is over in the natural realm, we're not going to be able to go back to status quo and what it was like in the beginning. Why would we think that the spiritual realm then will go back to status quo? It's not. It's changing. Jesus isn't changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Salvation isn't changing. The Word of God isn't changing. But there is a move on the face of the earth that is changing things in the spiritual realm. God is creating a new wineskin to hold his wine. You know, my brother, God bless him, hi, Dan. He's a pastor in Southern California. And he even called me when this whole thing happened and they locked down churches in Southern California. 
And he called me and he said, Mike, you've been trying to get me to go on the internet all along and I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. I didn't do it. Well, now all of a sudden I'm thrown into the deep end and I have to swim. Now everybody's doing it. It's a new era. But when I say a new era, don't focus just on the natural things. I want you to focus. Close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes. In your mind's eye, your heart of hearts, let the Holy Spirit paint a picture on the canvas of your heart right now about the future and your future. What you see, I hope, is a move of God that is unprecedented. That you see revival and spiritual awakening beginning to move across the earth. Every nation, including ours. Revival and the glory of God with divine anointing is pulling people into the kingdom of God and they're getting saved all around the world by the thousands and the hundreds of thousands and the millions and the tens of millions. It's all coming to pass. In January 31st of this year, the Spirit of the Lord took me into the spiritual realm. He caught me away into the heavenlies. And right there in front of me, he showed me a huge clock that was called the clock of God. It was round and it hung in the heavenlies. And there were a multitude of, of dials that were on the face of the clock. There were the seconds and the minutes and the hours. But then there was the day and the week and the month. And the years. Then the Spirit of God grabbed me. And he pulled me up in this vision, this encounter. And he pulled me right through the second clock. And I believe that the reason he did that is because my brain couldn't handle any more than the smallest amount of God's time. But also because he wanted me to know that we were at that moment, that second where things were beginning to change. And I was pulled through the second hand. And as soon as I went through the face of the clock, behind it opened up and all of these hands, these dials, were extended out. The second hands had multitude. The minutes had many. And they just, it just all of the things that God was involved in because he is God. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. There is no time in God. Time is of the earthly realm. But in the spirit, it all revolves around God. Just as it says in the first chapter of Ezekiel, where it talks about how that God, in, in that vision of the throne of God Ezekiel had, is that the wheel within the wheel that the wheel extended from heaven to the earth. There was a connection between the spiritual and the natural. And yes, God has a clock, but it's, it pertains to the elements of time that are related to his loving family, human beings. And in this wheel within a wheel, supernaturally it's described 
that it is how you would put not one small wheel inside of another wheel because that is something that's only limited to natural laws. But it was a wheel that interconnected with another wheel that interconnected with another wheel that were all the same time all moving simultaneously. If you could picture in your mind kind of like a ball or if you would say like the spokes on a bicycle, a wheel on a bicycle, and how that the spokes come from the hub all the way out to the outer portion of the wheel. But then what you do is you add another one that intersects the same size wheel, 90 degrees, and intersects with that. Then you add another one, and then you add another one, so that it creates a sphere, and they're all turning at the same time. God in the hub, and he can look down the spoke into the past. He can look down the spoke into your present. He can look down the spoke into your future because he knows all things. And the prophetic, which I've already said is a testimony of Jesus, is when God pulls us into the hub and he reveals his viewpoint to us at that moment about what his plan is and what's happening with us. When he shows us our future, he just takes us into the hub by the presence of the Holy Spirit and he shows us the spoke that is about tomorrow or the spoke that is about next week or the spoke that is about next month. He also can show us the spoke about what's happening on the earth over the next 10 years. When he reveals and he shows us those things in advance, then he creates in us a positive memory of the future so that we can operate off of the power of the prophetic memory in making that our magnetic north and what it is that God plans for us. And then we lock a hold of that. And by faith, we reach into the future. We refuse to let go of the future. And we drag that future into our present because we are spiritual beings that operate in that realm. And if you have watched the video that I did last Friday, or if you've been around here for very long, you have heard me say that we need a paradigm shift in realizing that we are not human beings that gather together and are having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings that are having human experiences. The spirit man on the inside is the eternal one. It is the physical being on the outside that is changeable. Changeable ultimately through what we call death, but physical death is nothing more than a change, a transfer. And all of those things then will line up with our spiritual relationship with the Lord and what his plans are for us. That's called walking in the Spirit. And I don't know all that many people who really do that well. But I will say this. It is growing exponentially. We are entering something that is going to be a hallmark change in the church. I know more prophetic people today 
in the United States, the world. This is bigger than just us. I know that's where we live and that's where I talk about most of the time. But let's look at this through God's perspective. Worldwide, things are changing. And there are more prophetic people right now. You know, just like I've given you statistics. Man, you better be ready for the ride because I'm hot and heavy. I'm just going for it, okay? And I'm not going to stop till I'm through. I've given you the statistic that it's estimated by church statisticians, historians, those that are supposed to have the information, however close they are, that in 1906, when the Azusa Street Revival, following Topeka, Kansas Revival, happened, that it was estimated 2.5% of Protestant believers in the world had the experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, a charismatic experience in speaking in tongues, 2.5%. By 2006, at the Azusa Street Centennial, which CK and I went to, it had reached 50%. It is estimated right now that between 50 to 55% of all Protestant believers on the face of this planet, have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Even if they just spoke it when they got the language and maybe haven't done it for a long time. They have received it. We are the majority. And the way that that has grown has taken us into a place to where by that spiritual perception, the church has come to a place to where they begin to understand more and more and more and more and more about the gifts of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit, the revelation of the Spirit, how the spiritual realm operates. That's why you hear me talk so much about how that part of our job is to teach you how to navigate the spiritual realm, how to see the form of the Lord, not just the form of Satan, not just what, does it, what Satan does and what evil is in the earth, but to see what Jesus is doing and the righteousness that is in the earth. And even though right now it seems dark, even though there's a lot of conflict, even though there's major attack upon the church of Jesus in the United States in a way that is unprecedented, there at the same time is a move of the Spirit of God within the church that is beginning to separate and to call people out into this place to where we have become the mighty righteous army of the Lord Jesus Christ that will carry us into the new Christian era and what God is going to do on this planet. We have become the prophetic eagles. Those who have learned how to soar. Those who have learned how to move in third heaven authority. Praise God. And you know, from the time of 1906, when I talked about that Azusa Street revival, it grew up to where we found restorations. Right in the 40s, there was a restoration of the spirit-filled evangelist, the miracle-working evangelist. And that's where all those mighty men of God in tent meetings and various forms were going around and God was beginning to restore the miraculous healing nature of God in His children. 
And then beginning in the late 50s and up through the 60s and into the early 70s, there was the restoration of the Spirit-filled teacher in the church. I'm talking about Ephesians. Five-fold office ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I'm not talking about a Sunday school teacher. And the restoration of that. And the teacher was taken supernaturally by all of this restoration that has been going on. The way that God is moving, advancing, getting us into a new era. Where that teacher was taken from just behind a pulpit or a back room in a church building. And suddenly is promoted and accepted worldwide just like the miracle working evangelist was to where now the teacher is standing in a stadium with tens of thousands of people and then the charismatic renewal hit in the mid 60s and we found the restoration of the spirit filled pastor and it began to jump across denominational lines and from there up through the mid-70s, there was this moving of the Spirit of God across denominational wilds and baptizing people with the Spirit of God. And they were Baptists. And they were Lutheran. And they were Pentecostals. You say, well, Pentecostals, weren't they already baptized in the Spirit? I know a lot of Pentecostals that weren't. They just went there because they liked it, never received it, and they were taught a false doctrine that you have to tarry until you finally get it. And it was amazing. They used to shun us because C.K. and I came in through that charismatic and Jesus people movement, and we would go to a Pentecostal church, when I'm talking about when we were 20 years of age, and we'd go in, and we could speak in tongues. And they would almost like, you know, how dare you do that in church? We have been tearing. And we'd get a hold of somebody that had been up at the altar every Sunday for the last 35 years. Tearing and crying out to God. And we'd say, just receive it. And we'd lay hands on them. And they'd begin to speak in tongues. And then the pastor would call us and say, you can't do that. <laughs> you don't know when God's going to give it to them. How dare you pray? For well, they just got it. <laughs> and the Spirit of God was just filling people with the baptism. And it was growing. And then in approximately 1988, God moved in the restoration of the ministry, the office ministry of the prophet. Yes, increasing prophetic ministry in the church, increasing revelation and understanding in the spiritual realm for all believers because we were all created to hear the voice of God. But to fill and to restore that office of the prophet and suddenly it was brought into prominence. And like the other ministries, the evangelist and the teacher and the pastor, suddenly now, 
the prophets were being raised up. And I tell you what, that set CK and I free because we were that all along. But we didn't really know it because through this whole transition, there wasn't a lot of teaching. There weren't people around. I mean, we were raised up and trained by a prophet. One of the greatest prophets. I mean, this man, he could look at you and tell you the color of the car that you drove. And if your husband wasn't in church, what he was watching on TV right at that moment at home, he would, he would tell you the things that were going on in your body, pray for you, that man's name was Dave Roberson. And, and all of a sudden, it's, we all started coming in. My dad was pastoring a Pentecostal church. And he decided to retire. And I said, Dad, instead of just retiring, would you come because CK and I had been in ministry for quite some time at that point. I said, Dad, would you come and would you join us, hook up with us and help me? Come on, staff. Be a pastor, be head elder, be, you know, do, because what you will find is that after these years of ministry, the final release of who you are. My dad was a prophet. My dad, we'd be praying, uh, having a prayer meeting in the living room, and bam, he'd just fall out giggling and rolling on the floor in laughter. Stand up, and they'd just read you like a book in the spiritual realm. One time he decided that he wanted to know. My brother was uh, uh, in the military, uh, in the Navy. My dad was ex-Navy. World War II. He was in the Normandy invasion. And, and he wondered, because Vietnam War, he hadn't heard from my brother for quite a while. And he would pray and he would go into the spirit. And God would take him right to the USS Kitty Hawk aircraft just, um, Carrier, thank you for that, helping me. That word was gone for a minute. And, and take him, and take him down and through the corridors and take him to the cabin where my brother was and where he was asleep. And he would see him and he would pray over him. And then, but he would see where he was. Sometimes it was off the coast of Vietnam. Sometimes it was in harbor in Hong Kong. And he just, God would just show him, and then Dad would come back and say, okay, he's fine, family. These things began to build. And then, right around the year 2000, there was a restoration of the office of the apostle, the wonder-working, spirit-filled, apostle and so we saw through all of this restoration and i'm getting to a point you just hang tight and follow me through all of this everything that was occurring was to get us to where we are now 
the next phase. And then there will be a phase after that and a phase after that. And there are those who are saying that we are in the tribulation now and that Jesus will have to come back within the next seven years. And, you know, you follow the Lord and believe whatever you want. But I'm telling you, no. No. I've already seen the next ten years. Prophets, true prophets, live five years in the future. And it becomes very difficult for us to make that fit and gel with present living. Because even today, I'm talking to you about several years in the future. Oh, it started now. Several years in the future. When I saw that clock hanging, and God took me into the second hand, and I saw all of the times and how God was working with humanity, suddenly the scene shifted, and hanging there in the heavens was the earth, and it was rotating. And as it rotated like this, off of the backside and around as it rotated, revolved, faces began coming off of the earth. And it was multitudes, it was thousands, and it was millions of faces, young, old, black, white, brown, men, women, just faces of people coming. And there was an angel standing right beside me. And the angel got excited. And he said, here they come. Here they come. And at that moment, the Lord let me see a prophetic glimpse of the kind of revival, evangelism, that he was releasing upon the face of this earth. There were people that at that time thought, well, you must have seen the rapture. Those are just people going to heaven. No. Shortly after that, in fact, that was right at the time when the pandemic was just beginning to hit the earth and hadn't really uh, broken open in the United States yet, but shortly after that. And so people say, oh, it must have been just because of all of the people that died. No, it wasn't. Don't interpret my dream. I'll tell you what it means because I know what God said. He said, it is the faces of the souls that are coming into the kingdom. This is all about getting the world saved. Getting the world saved. Jesus is manifesting himself, revealing himself, proving himself in a new way because we're entering a new era. In 2010, when the Lord took me to third heaven, and he kept me there, and he gave me the assignment. He kept me there for a while. Yeah, I did come back. He kept me there for quite a while and talked to me about some of these spiritual things. And he said, I'm giving the assignment for you to teach third heaven authority to my people. Because we are now entering a time when the 
veil between the spiritual realm and the physical realm would seemingly grow thinner. But this is because of the era that we're entering and the way that God created things to work. He said, believers are going to be having spiritual experiences, visions, dreams. He said, I need you as well as others that I've called upon to train them how to navigate these spiritual experiences. Train them how to navigate the heavens. Train them how to walk in the word and walk in authority so that they won't be deceived. He said the enemy is going to attempt to use this time to cause confusion and misunderstanding and false doctrine among a lot of believers. They need to be grounded in the word and grounded in understanding how I operate. And he said, the church is going to grow through this era. Now, wasn't that enlightening? You notice how that third heaven authority is a significant factor to this new Christian era. Because the Lord is doing something in his body, training his warriors, the body of Christ, to rise up to the challenges that are in this specific era on planet Earth. So as we go forward, we're going to find that the things from prior eras all work to a degree because they're all part of what Jesus has given throughout the entire Christian church age. You know, we're not talking about new stuff, you know, now that the Holy Spirit's doing something he hasn't ever done before. No, because in the Christian age, Jesus is still Lord. The Holy Spirit still fills us. He still leads us. He guides us. He works. But we're in a restorative process in the church to get back ground that has been stolen from us. And so, therefore, in this Christian age, we are rising up with an authority. The Holy Spirit is using to take back this planet. So, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for every single listener. And as I do, Lord, I pray that the anointing, the enlightenment, the revelation of the Holy Spirit would come unto them, Lord God, and that you would lift them up into their assignments, their destiny. Show them their future so that they can reach out by faith and grab a hold of it and bring it into manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss any future episodes. God bless. Me.